Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and my bearded legend, Southstand Chum. My good friend, Paul Levy, is on holiday away on his travels again for the second week running. So I'm delighted to say I have not only one guest co-host, but two co-hosts, both making their second appearances at Orient Outlook podcast hour. So firstly, back here, after just over a year away, I make it. We're delighted to welcome Leighton Orient's community liaison officer, the birthday boy, Mr. Howard Gould. Thank you very much. Welcome Thank back. You. Thanks for yeah, good to be back. Made it here after a stressful uh, oh, journey in, shall been, we say. It's been an away game, yes. Don't trust the uh, Google <laughs> satnav, whatever you do. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's less than a year actually. I've got a picture of me and Elliot when we were here with you. Saw for the way it was after was first it? game of last season. Was that when it was? Oh, yeah, was... okay. Time flies. Yes, happy Time anniversary. Flies. Happy anniversary, <laughs> Howard. And about to set off for pastures new after covering the O's for the last four years for Archon Group. It's the one, it's the only, George Sessions. George, <laughs> welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. I think December was when I was last in, looking at pictures earlier. So, yeah. uh, not, not a year, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's good to be back. Great to have you both here, gents. Lots to talk about uh, this week. So I'll ask you some questions to start off with. So everyone knows, I guess, after a superb season and we had the season of our lives, it was a tragic summer of events. So George, you were lucky enough to interview Justin pretty much after most matches when he was at the club. What, what were your memories Justin yeah I mean I, I, you know, I spoke to him after all the um, all the home games and some away games and um, yeah I'm, I'm, but this you know still doesn't really feel 100% real for me to be perfectly honest but the the main memory of Justin will be that you know full stop he was an absolute winner um, everything he did you know was drilled towards Leighton Orient winning um, and being successful and Obviously, it's in this in like in the football industry. It's, there's a lot of pressure on you, but he was, despite all the pressure that was on him, you could always see that sense of character and that personality that he had, and that fantastic personality that he had, and it did shine through. Obviously, he's not going to shine through when Orient have lost sort of one 0 at home to Bromley kind of thing. But you know, there was there was always moments where you saw his his charm and his and his funny side come through. Um, and like I've said sort of many times, he was just a, a, a really really good person um, as well as a, a brilliant football manager and, and obviously player as well during his time at Spurs and Ross Danny and Joby obviously made interim appointments the correct ones in, in your, your eyes yeah 100% I, um, I don't think the club could have done anything else when it comes to that decision um, far too soon to be appointing anyone from the outside from my own point of view purely because of the grieving process um, you know, you could have brought someone in, and then obviously Ross, Danny, and Joby would have known what everyone's going through. But that that new manager w- wouldn't know what they're going through, even if they knew Justin. They wouldn't know Justin as well as this group and everyone at the club has got to know him over the last eighteen months. So it wouldn't have been fair, I don't think, for the club to bring someone else in, and for that person to be working with people that are dealing with the death of, you know, sort of a father figure to some people, you know, a best friend to others, you know, he wasn't just a boss to these people, I don't think, you know, that relationship was a whole lot closer than that, um, so I think the the best thing that Orient could have done was to give it, you know, to Ross, Danny and, and Joby, and I think it's a really, really hard situation for those three guys, but, you know, 
from what I've seen so far they've, they've handled it really really well and there's not a lot more they could have done in this situation I don't think and it was a busy summer of transfer activity we lost Bon and Karoma two players who scored many goals for us over the last two seasons in's come Josh Wright Connor Wilkinson Liangle uh, Louis Dennis been mm. impressed with the summer of transfers yeah I mean it's it's, it's strange isn't it because normally you know this summer would be completely dominated by talking about Josh Cromer and Macaulay Vaughan you know two brilliant brilliant players and the fact that we've lost them but it, it almost kind of feels irrelevant because of what's happened with Justin um, but you know it's it's great for those players that they've got the chance to step up to Charlton and Huddersfield um, I think you know I, I, I do think they'll they can both play at championship level, certainly Josh, um, if given the time. So it's brilliant for them. And in terms of the guys coming in, I mean, Josh Wright was obviously Justin's last signing. Um, and I know Josh a little bit from before. He was actually at Orient when I first started covering the club when they were in League One. Um, and you could see that then how much Orient meant to him. Um, so he's always had a soft spot for the club. And I really do think Conor Wilkinson and Lee Engel will score goals, but Orient have just got to create chances for them. So I think in time, you'll see two good players there and two good goal scorers. But my kind of worry is if Orient don't get them scoring early enough, that they're going to sort of become frustrated. And you don't, you don't want forwards to be frustrated. You know, if you're a forward and you're not scoring, you're not happy. And I think the best, that Orient, the best thing for Orient is to get those two scoring very soon. And if they do, it'll be absolutely fine. If they don't, then you could have trouble there so we'll come on to the Plymouth games and Stevenage games shortly but obviously there were two games uh, that opened the season Cheltenham at home Macclesfield away thoughts on the outcomes of those games or the performances um, I mean Cheltenham was always going to be a difficult game um, because of the emotion of the occasion you know the first first proper game without Justin um, and I think to come away with a 1-0 win you know, it doesn't it doesn't look like an amazing result on paper aside from the fact that Orient have won, but just as a whole game and the whole context of that occasion, that was a huge result, I think, especially to get that first victory back in league to to know that as a club and as players, you, know, you are good enough to belong there. Um, but then obviously the Maxfield game was massively disappointing because, you know, no disrespect to Maxfield, but Leighton Orient should be going to Maxfield and, and dominating that game. You know, maybe not winning, but I want Lane Orient to go there and to try and impose their their style on, on Maxfield and to create chances and to, to come away with either a draw or three points like they did last season. Whenever whenever they went away, they always went there and, and played their way. So to lose 3-0 is obviously disappointing. But, you know, having seen the highlights and spoken to people, it doesn't sound like they played as bad as 3-0, but the result in itself is, is a disappointment for me. How it was an emotional day at the Bray Group Stadium against Charlton? Yeah, it was. Um, lots of uh, work beforehand, obviously, and not just for the players, but all the backroom staff. You know, we organised a load of stuff, and um, uh, the Cheltenham fans were amazing. That James Robinson and the flag uh, was—they didn't have to do that, um, and he just—they just did it, and it was fantastic. And, we, and the least we could do was was parade that flag once we knew that they were having it made. Um, so we contacted him early on and asked if he would mind and you, you, I think you met him yourself didn't yeah. you? yeah very shy guy he didn't, didn't want to take any adulation for anything but uh, it all worked very well you know the day couldn't really have gone better if you like with, with Josh scoring the goal as well so um, 
Yeah, I'm mean, glad it was out of the way. It was top of. I think the, a lot of people were saying the score was going to be irrelevant. Actually, the season's going to start proper next week. It was a bit emotional, but it was a great start. Um, then moving on to the Macclesfield game, uh, it, pretty much what George said. It's. Uh, I think the weather. Talking to the guys who were up there, it was blowing a gale in one direction, and the guys scored the world be in the first half. Um, you know, you can be critical all you like about players, but it's, every game happens like that. You can't, uh, you can't affect everything. Um, and second half, okay, you know, Ross has picked up a couple of points that the players um, maybe let themselves down on, which is fair play. I mean, in this league, it's, it is a step up, whatever you say. And I know George is saying he expects Orient to go and impose, but we've got to still realise where we are. Um, that squad is predominantly the same squad that we came into the National League with, really. Um, you know, we were champions of that and we moved up, we stepped up a league. I know Macclesfield struggled, but Seoul obviously got them going towards the end of the year because they looked down and out mm. to me. I thought they were down a long time I before the end of the season. Down. Yeah, so he's obviously organised them. And I heard that their back three or four were very strong, you know, solid, whatever, whatever. So it was one of those. Um, but yeah, glad the season's up and running now. Great to hear. So, Stevenage match yesterday was your last time covering the O's, George. End of an era. Yeah, it's going to be strange not going back to Brisbane Road. I mean, I've pretty much been there every other Saturday for the last four and a half years. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's going to be bizarre, really, not not going in, seeing all, all the same faces that I do. Um, what, what can you fill us in exactly what, what's changed? Where are you going and what you're going to do? So, I'm leaving the paper to join Press Association. Okay. Um, so, I'll be covering Crystal Palace for them from now and That'll be my main thing on Saturdays going to Crystal Palace games, um, all their press conferences. Um, so, I'll be out and about a lot more because at the minute I'm in an office Monday to Thursday doing all the different newspapers we do. Yeah. And then out to either Tottenham or, or Orient. But yeah, I'll be leaving. Thursday is my last day at the paper and then I start properly with PA in I have a couple of days in August but really I start sort of September 10th so so yeah no more uh, no more Orient home games for now you know, I mean I, I'll definitely try and get back every now and then and to be fair PA were pretty good they said you know if, if there's sort of if you are ever at a loose end and, and you want to go down there and you know sort of catch up with people and do a story then more than happy for me to do that and there's a lot of a lot of interest in Orient, you know, not just because of what's happened with Justin, but you know, Joby's such a big name, so there's always going to be kind of links there. So yeah. I'll definitely be back, but yeah, just not as uh, not as regularly as as I've been over the last four and a half years. Mm, a bit of scouting for Ross, maybe. Yeah, yeah. If any any Crystal Palace <laughs> under twenty threes, oh, yeah. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll get along and uh, and send him a text and say, yeah, check out check out this lad if yeah. you uh, if you want to move forward. I tried that last season, it didn't quite no, work. Yeah, did yeah. Um, so four years, you saw. A relegation, you saw a promotion, mm. you saw he who shall not be named on this podcast almost destroy the club. You've seen a new era. Highlights in in your time? Yeah, it's been it's been mental. <laughs> really, <laughs> like there's so there's so much that has gone on in four and a half years. Um, but I mean, the main main highlight is obviously them winning the league. To actually see, you know, I kind of. Because I've been covering the club for four and a half years, I knew how much it would mean to people. But it, it, it was only when actually that full time whistle went, you see the pitch invasion, you know, you see you see grown men crying. 
and then it's like, oh, this is actually like such a bigger thing than you even realised for the club to get back into the football league, um, and especially knowing all the bits and bobs on the outside to do with the academy and you know what cost another season in the national league would have been to the club because you can't underestimate that. So yeah, the main highlight is one hundred percent seeing Orient win the league. Um, but it's been some. It's been a lot of highlights, like going. Going to Newport when Orient were completely down and out and seeing this team of teenagers absolutely play Newport off the park on one of the worst football pitches you've ever seen <laughs> in, in the football league. Yeah. You know, that, that will stay with me forever because, you know, to see like Sam Dorby, Sandro Samaya, Josh Crowe, all these like teenagers literally playing up against men and they've, they've walked off after a 4 0 win. There's just so many little things like that are kind of. You know, mini highlights behind the obviously main one, which was promotion, and 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 I guess another one. What would be alongside promotion is probably the kind of efforts of the fans during that League Two season when they, you know, when the end did seem you know a, a real possibility for the actual club. Mm. To see all the efforts the fans went for in terms of you know going on the pitch, doing the doing the protest at the end of the Hartlepool game, and then actually going on in the in the Colchester game. Without that stuff happening, who knows what would have happened? Um, to, and to be able to witness that and to report on it, you know, I sort of feel you know lucky to have witnessed those times, you know, real historic times in late Norwich history. Um, and I, I do honestly think, you know, if the fans didn't take things into their own hands, I, I'm not sure you still have a late Norwich because I, I think that it was that type of stuff which made people like Kent, you know, realise how important this club was. It's not just your bog standard League Two club. This club means a hell of a lot to people, and it's you can see anyone can see the potential of Leighton Orient, and I, I think stuff like that made, makes the difference. So busy four and a half years. I'm going to talk about your last week very shortly, but before we do, just a word from our sponsors, AJF Plastering. So AJF Plastering are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company that covers all aspects of domestic and commercial work, and they specialise in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is, and we mentioned this last week, they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and stuff. So they put out a tweet uh, earlier in the week with their details, uh, and it had a lot of retweets and likes. So if you're thinking about getting some plastering done or rendering, so for the best prices, you can email them at ajfplastering@outlook.com or visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or on Twitter. You can contact at Big Ads LOFC to get your quote. So 15% off for all O's fans and a great bargain out there to be had. So supporters club updates in. There's two trips to hear about this week. And firstly, coaches to Mansfield on Tuesday, the 24th of August, leave the supporters club at 2pm for a 7.45 kickoff. Adult fares for this one are £34. Concessions, £31. And then it's a rather big one due to last season, uh, them being our arch rivals. It's Salford away on Saturday, the 31st of August. McCauley Bond doesn't like him. We don't mind him. If you're going to go to this one, you need to leave at 8.30am. Adult fares are £36 and concessions are £33. All trips will cost an additional £3 if you aren't a member. And if you're under 15, you can travel for half price, but you must be with an adult. And please remember that these prices do not include your match day ticket. So you can book these in the supports club pre or post match on a match day or by calling the travel line on 07722135970. And all membership cards, so your free membership cards, if you have renewed, are available now for collection from the Supports Club at any home match. So if you haven't picked yours up yet, 
please do so. How old are you going to either Mansfield or Salford this year? Um, no, I won't be. No, I'm going on. I'm going to take a week off from Saturday night, so uh, I won't be able to travel up to Salford. Mansfield, I was tempted because apparently they do. They have an excellent junior section up there, and uh, I've been advised to go and check it out. But uh, I can't actually make it on Tuesday night, which is a shame. Tuesday nights are really real pain in it yeah. to go up to Mansfield I know it's not the most first place in the world but yeah. to go on a Tuesday night it's not great is it yeah it's unfortunate but no um, hoping to do a few ways obviously the Cheltenham would like to be reciprocal and yep. go and see James there um, Northampton we've got the old CEO of the, uh, the, 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 CEO, the current CEO is uh, worked at the trust Phil Smith so I'd like to go and pop and see him and they have a good relationship with their walking footballers so we're going to do a match up there before the game I think walking football so um, yeah, one or two Colchester, get, get down over get there. Got some friends who live there. I'm seen for a few years. So yeah, brilliant. So some exciting news coming about Mansfield later on in the podcast, okay. which moves us on nicely to the Leighton Orient Trust update. So I will start this one. I'm sure Howard will finish it. So <laughs> they trust email and said we continue to deliver the free multi-sport sessions as part of the Waltham Forest summer holiday activity, and on average we welcome 50 children a day. And next week, it's football camp. So the great work from the Trust continues. Howard, anything to add on the back of that update? Yeah, okay. So, well, I have heard that it is full. I think this week might be the last week of that. Um, But there is a a web address if you want to uh, get in contact just to see if there's any spaces. So very quickly, that's www.awesomeforest.gov.uk slash holidays. So if you did that, you can get on and see if there are any spaces for this uh, this camp this week, this football camp. And on Wednesday, um, the debut of Brendan Shabani and Hector Kiprianu. So we're going to get them out in the community uh, now that they're professional and, and should be doing some stuff for us. So we've already had Lee Angle and Connor Wilkinson were out last week doing uh, having their first one. So I'd like to... Part part of the job, obviously, as you know, is to really learn the characters of the players and not chuck them in the deep end too much. So, nice and easy one at score. They know where it is. Mm. Meet a few of the kids, um, sign some autographs and and actually get involved a little bit if they can. So, that was good. So, we've had a couple of boys out already. We've got the youngsters on uh, Wednesday. Um, And then we carry on with that through the year. Um, And obviously, we're having the National League trophy. The idea is to get the trophy out to as many schools as we can uh, through the season, so we've now got um, uh, we've had a we've had one made that we can keep, so we can take that around to the schools. Um, another idea was as well I had this year was to actually speak to the players, find out what what primary and secondary schools they went to, and if there's any in the localish vicinities and they would like to visit them again because some of the players actually said no I'd rather not go back to my <laughs> old school, um, but. Uh, the idea is to take take the players back with the trophy and uh, show it off, obviously. But um, I know Matt Harold's definitely like Trinity. Yeah, yeah. Matt, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're going. Yeah, we're going. Yeah. Matt's been really good the last couple of years. He's been two or three times already. Um, so yeah, he's up for it again. Um, but you have got a couple of local boys. Um, Jaden Sweeney has just come through. He was at Forest, which is only in Snaresbrook, and he was at Loyola Prep, which is literally up the road from the training ground. So I've been in touch with them and they're, they're really happy to see him back because he can still relate being, being quite young himself. Yeah. 
Um, it's nice for uh, for the kids to see that you know if you work hard and achieve, you can achieve and stuff like that. So that's the idea. So I've got a list of schools from the players and going to try and uh, get a few of them into their old schools, which should, should be fun. Um, what else have we got? The trust, right? So yeah, we got to mention that the walking footballers. Um, some if you were at the game on Saturday, you would have seen them parading uh, their latest trophy. Really successful. I didn't realise, but it's actually the fourth anniversary in September. It's going to be the fourth year. The walking football has been since we started, um, and now there's three sessions. They've been abroad. They've been to uh, I think Holland and Spain, and they keep bringing these trophies back. They're doing really well. They've got some really good um, relationships with other clubs, and they're actually their own charter standard club now, uh, which I think is one of the first in the country. Uh, there's at least ten of them are all fully qualified level ones. They've done first aid and everything, so they're they're a club in their own right. Um, so the next stage for us now is to look at getting women involved. So at the score centre on the 17th of September, and I think that might be the day you, there's an Orient game that evening. Um, so from 6 till 7 o'clock in the score centre, um, they're going to do a free taster session for women over 40. Uh, just turn up, have a go. Uh, I know some of the players, they're trying to tempt their wives to come in and, and, and get involved. So if, if there's any ladies out there who'd like to join... Uh, just a little game of footy, walking football in, in the score centre. Again, that's the 17th of September at 6 o'clock. Completely free. Come in, have a little go. Uh, and let's see where we go from there. Great idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, very popular what we've got. So 50-50 scheme, uh, really popular. At the moment we've got eight bookings for that. Uh, predominantly youth football clubs, but we also have got a couple of charities that got involved. So the 50-50 scheme is where we uh, offer reduced rate tickets for these clubs, these used clubs to go and sell on their own, but the more money that they make and more tickets they sell, they retain half of the proceeds that can go to a project of their choice. So in the past we've had a, for a club, for example, raise money and they took their team to Barcelona and did the tour of Barcelona, um, things like that. So it, it's, that's really popular. So anyone interested in that, just contact me on the emails. Um, and then you might have seen the kids doing the penalties and the half times and we try and include that in, in that deal, you know, as another extra incentive. Um, although yesterday the, the kids that were doing the penalties for us were our winners of our first Theo's family competition so Dave Toyne's been working really hard in the summer to get Theo's up and going again so uh, the membership form is now on the website that's available on the Lane Orient website so you can uh, get your Theo's membership application on there um, and we'll look to obviously do other competitions to get the kids on the pitch Fantastic. Uh, we're booking the Christmas party uh, we, we'll get that date as soon as possible. Um, obviously, got to work with Ross and the squad and, and find a feasible date for that. Uh, but looking at competitions, get the kids involved, maybe training ground visit, you know, as a special prize. Um, we, you know, they are our future, the, the kids, and they really do love these experiences. So, yesterday was good fun. Um, lots of charity work, so involved with um, at least six or seven charity uh, events this season, like collections. Um, so on Saturday coming we, uh, against Crawley we've got St Joseph's and the Haven House Hospice will be there collecting so uh, I know um, supporters are really generous um, we have Mind as you know the uh, the league sponsors um, and there's also training Mind actually offer training to staff of all, of all league clubs as well so uh, a lot of the staff will be, be, be taking training up uh, the Trust will be holding the charity game this year uh, as well, of course, the JE3 Foundation. So I'm working with Charlie 
uh, to finalise all the details on that one. But the obvious game would be the Newport game when we play them in January. So we're looking at that at the moment to have a collection for him uh, and do some bits and pieces around around that. Um, yeah, and then, oh, I've just got a couple of notes to, to mention the football for a fiver. So not necessarily to do with the trust, but while it's on a bit of paper. Yeah, so the football for a fiver. So um, there's a couple of, there's two to three of those in the season. So the first one coming up is the Walsall game on October the 12th, and they do sell out really quick. So just to mention that. So, uh, and that's a fiver across the board, home and away fans in any stand. Um, so that's a fantastic opportunity. Uh, and then there's kids for a quid, and that's coming up really soon, September the 7th. There'll be a couple of those through the season as well, but the first one is uh, against Swindon, so just a pound to get your kids in. So all stands or? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Amazing. So kids for a quid, get your kids in, yeah. get a book in for that one, because that one will, I would imagine, sell out yeah, very quickly. Busy. Yeah. So, yeah, always busy in the trust, always something going on. Um, you know, uh, people think uh, that when the season ends, everyone has a holiday and the players go on holiday and everything in the back room stops as well and you all go on holiday, but... Obviously, you're planning, as you know, people have said on here before, Ken and stuff, you're planning ahead continuously through to the end of the season already. So, you know, I'm, we're talking about the last game of this season already, what we're going to be doing. Uh, do we do something? We better hold it just in case if we're in the playoffs or, or right. you know, are we going for promotion or are we whatever, you know. So you still have to be tentative about what you do. But, yeah, we plan, we're planning that already and... Uh, yeah, really busy, really busy. Fantastic. So always great to hear an update from you guys at the trust. And we know how hard you work getting that message in the community. So fantastic. Yeah. Hear. Well, we've got the yeah. um, oh, we've got coming up. It's the London Borough of Culture, aren't we? The Wolfham Forest is a London Borough of Culture. So um, that's the game against Port Vale. So there's going to be a load of stuff going on that day. We're working closely with the borough at the moment. Um, so apart from the usual um, pitch activities with the flags and which uh, the flags and the penalties and things like that which will be local football teams or local schools involved or Walton Forest um, another borough looking to do uh, some entertainment pitch entertainment on and off the pitch pre-match uh, during the match well not during the match half time <laughs> hopefully there's some entertainment during the match <laughs> uh, but yeah it's, it's some loads, a big effort uh, is for that, for that particular game so we're working on that at the moment yeah Brilliant, brilliant. So lots happening. So get involved. Yeah. Uh, if you want to email Howard, I think he mentioned you can email him. What's the what's your email address, Howard? Yeah, simple h dot gould g o u l d at lakenorient Fantastic. So let's move on into the week that was so the last week of George Sessions reporting on the <laughs> mighty O. So course of Monday, the twelfth of August, a quiet day at the club. It's episode one eight eight was taking the Orient listening airways by storm. So I must say a massive thank you to O's chairman Nigel Travis, director David Travis. Ian Travis, who my seven-year-old daughter has fallen in love with. So Ian, if you're listening, she's still pining for you to come back. Uh, and Chris Kane for co-hosting. I thought you'd done a sterling job and it can't have been easy to co-host your first ever podcast in front of the Leighton Orient chairman. So well done, Mr. Kane. So Tuesday, the 13th of August, and as well as being my eighth wedding anniversary, so happy anniversary to Sarah, who won't listen to this and who doesn't care for football. Uh, XO and championship winning midfield Charlie Lee signed a one-year deal at Yeovil Town, so it was Charlie, all the best, a great personality, and took home the Trust Award at the Starman Awards. He did, summer. he fully deserved that. He, he did a lot of work with us um, with mental health, which people don't realise that what the, the guys do behind the scenes. 
Um, so he, he was one of our ambassadors for that. Um, he, apart from all the work he did just going into schools and, and being a good guy. It's funny because I spoke to him the week before uh, he signed for Yeovil and I said, you, you, you know, have you got, you got so hooked up with anyone yet? And he said, no, not, not quite yet. There's something in the fire, but I'm just, uh, I'm going to keep it local if I can. I said, okay, yeah, okay. And then uh, a week later, he's at Yeovil. So uh, I said, well done for keeping it local, mate. Yeah, well <laughs> But I think he had, he's got a good relationship with the manager down there. So, um, yeah, I'm sure he'd be an asset. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think he's he's very easy to underestimate how how important he was yeah. last season, especially during the first half of the season yeah. when he was fit and he was, you know, proper on it. Him and him and Craig was so good in the middle. Um, and I think I already missed that type of player now actually, because Charlie could he was very good on the ball, but he could also smash someone and you do yeah. you do need that. Um so yeah, it's really good to see him get a new club and um yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if he does very well there and gets another promotion. Yeah, the double promotion, yeah. He's, he's, he's got a ridiculous record when it yeah, comes to promotions. Five, Peter Burrow. Yeah, he's done five um, promotions already. Yeah, wow. yeah. He, is, he is unbelievable. I think in Gillingham, I think he got one as well. So he's um, promotion king, easily. <laughs> mm. So good luck there to Charlie, and we'll be keeping an eye on him then mm. in the season. So the main event on Tuesday was Plymouth Argyle Way in the first round of the Carabao Cup. And the team was announced at 6.45 of Dean Bruin goal. And that the back, Joe Willowson, Marvin Ickpeteta, Josh Coulson, Danny Happy and Miles Judd. And then midfield, Dal Gorman, Josh Wright and Craig Clay. And up front, Louis Dennis and Lee Ango on the bench. So seven subs as normal. Sam Sargent, Sam Ling, the JMD, James Brophy, Connor Wilkinson, James Alarby and Matt Howell. I think my views on that one at the time of seeing that was decent team. Lots of options up front. A few changes, but as you would expect. Yeah, I mean, I wondered if this might be a game where they could have tried something new in terms of the formation. Obviously, Ross likes the, um, you know, Justin previously liked the the sort of three five two, three four one two, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Plymouth is obviously a tough place to go. Um, you know, in the league or in the cup, that doesn't really matter. So I think it's probably quite hard for him to actually make any to sort of change it too much because he, he knew, you know, first and foremost, it's going to be a difficult game because they are a top side. Yeah, so lots of tweets came into us before the game. James O'Hagan tweeted us, said the strike force is interesting. Midfield and defence theoretically look solid. I think Judd and Willowson are more defence-minded and suited to a flat back five rather than playing as wing-backs. But all in all, a strong lineup. So the match kicked off with Plymouth looking to build on a good start to the season. So I think they were coming off two wins from the opening two games. Obviously got Ryan Lowe in charge. We've done a very good job at Berry last season. And we were obviously looking to bounce back from the defeat to Macclesfield on Saturday. And in the fourth minute, early chance for Plymouth, a free header as a cross came in from the left. Ryan Taylor, unmarked, headed over from close range. So a bit of a let off there. Would have been a disastrous start to go one behind. And it was a bit of a quiet game really for the first 15 minutes in the First half, not much to talk about. No real chances. 19th minute, Dom Telford curled a shot from outside the area, which went wide. 36th minute, Riley's cross from the right comes to Callum McFadzine, whose effort went wide. And in the 39th minute, we registered our first shot on target. Ekpeteta drove forward, but a very easy save for Cooper in the Plymouth goal. And in the 45th minute, biggest chance of the game, as a corner came in from Plymouth, and XO Gary Sawyer heads powerfully at goal. And Miles Judd done very well to clear off the line. I think Brill was almost there, but Judd, better position, mm. left to it. It's so a well played to Miles Judd. Half-time whistle went after one minute of additional time and the half-end goalers. Fought 0-0 at half-time was a pretty decent yeah, result for us. Yeah, taken that. Yeah. 
I think that's that's forty five minutes. That's job done, especially away to someone like mm. Plymouth. You want to go there. You you want to make sure the crowd don't get sort of too up on their feet and too excited by Plymouth obviously sort of attacking early on and getting a goal and the Orient have stopped that. So at that point, I think it's you know pretty good day or pretty good evening at the office so far. Yeah, all would have taken that. So attendance was announced at five thousand five hundred and seventy three with 205 brave O's fans making that journey and that is a long journey on a Saturday but to do it on a, <laughs> yeah, on a Tuesday yeah. night as well it's unbelievable yeah I, I don't know what to say about these people they're amazing I mean they, we'd all like to do it that mm. is yeah that is hardcore <laughs> and it really hard but yeah you know as you say to follow the Macclesfield as well because as soon as the fixtures came out you know, it's all on like, no, Matt was still followed by Plymouth. Who's going to do that? Mm. You know, the players <laughs> have got to do it, you know. But um, to, to have supporters going as well, it's absolutely, yeah, amazing. Well done to them all. Yeah, phenomenal job. So the yeah. second half kicked off with no subs for the O's. And 49th minute, good chance for the O's. There's a goal kick from Dean Brill. Sees a neat one-two between Leango and Lewis Dennis. Leango got some space down the left and he shot. Went wide. I think he took it very early and had that gone in, mm. we would have been in a great position. Unlucky there, not short of confidence from what I've seen of Angle so far. A good effort. Five minutes later, Dom Telford turns inside the penalty area and his shot is wide. But in the 59th minute, Plymouth took the lead as Callum McFadden played a 1 2. He made his run into the O's box. He lost Miles Judd from a tight angle. He let fly, beat Brill into the far corner. 1 0. I think for me, I think that's a real sign of the step up in quality that we're going to find ourselves up against this season. Mm. I think it was a well-worked goal. It was a very clever run from a left-back. Um, and you don't see those type of runs or finishes in the National League. I think Judd got done by the run, but I thought the run was superb. And Miles Judd is no mug. So I thought you can only really credit the player there for scoring. Brill may be disappointed. I think there's a bit of pace on the ball, but behind there. It's tricky, isn't it, really? Because every single goal that's scored, you can analyse it as... So someone's done something wrong defensively but you know looking at that goal that is it is a, it is a very good finish um, the movement's quality as well from, from Plymouth and you're right as well it, it is a step up um, you know you don't you don't want to be conceding any time I think the frustrating thing is that it's sort of what 59th minute Orient have almost sort of weathered this, the initial storm in the second half you know the kind of first 15 minutes of, of each half is so key and to have conceded when they did is just a real kind of you know that's a real hammer blow I think if they could it sounds funny but if they could have got another two minutes I think you probably would have seen Plymouth almost kind of lose a bit of focus and then I think things would have got easier for Orient but kind of where that wave after wave of, of attack comes and they eventually make the breakthrough is a pivotal time I think to get that yeah so Plymouth took the lead and just three minutes later they made it 2-0 it was a long ball into the O's half was misheaded by Marvin Ekbeteta into the path of Don Valentine who ran quite a distance with the ball into the O's area and finished well from a tight angle to double Plymouth's lead and it was 2-0 for me Marvin should do better from that header but saying that though Don Valentine's still got an awful lot to do with the ball and he does it very well again I think that's the quality they're up against the quality of the run going on the outside and the finish it was great, but again, these mistakes that probably went unpunished last season, where to a national league team they probably lose the ball and the, or the forward just blasts it over. I think we're going to get punished a lot more this season, but it's obviously a learning curve. Uh, yeah, I just think that's one where you know the goal they've just conceded is still on everyone's mind because it's it's not a great header from Marv. Um, you know, nine times out of ten he he would get that 
you know, a lot further away, a lot further up the pitch, and certainly not, you know, right to the danger man. Um, and then it's not, it's yeah, it's a good run by him, but you, you're disappointed defensively to let someone run through and sort of unchallenged, what almost sort of like thirty yards. Um, I mean, you, you arguably can question Dean as well. You never want to concede from outside the area, um, but it's like I say, you know, you can you you work so hard to keep it nil nil, then you can see one, and then boom, London buses. You get mm. you can see another one, and it's game over there. Unfortunately, as as much as Owen would hope to come back from that. 2-0 down away to Plymouth with half an hour to go it's very very difficult to come back from that and then I mean as as a management team obviously Ross is standing on the sidelines thinking they can get back into it but then part of you is going to think you know we've got a game coming up this weekend mm. against Stephen you know are we going to really get back into this game with half an hour to go or do I need to think about my key people and maybe take them off with half an eye on, on the league game so it's you know it's, I know it's frustrating to lose but it's um I'd always expect that to be a difficult one. Yeah. So 68th minute, first half for the O's is Connor Wilkinson came on for Louis Dennis. And in the 73rd minute, with the O's looking to get back in the game, the angle has an effort which was over the bar. Not much to talk about for the next 10 minutes. Plymouth looking to see out the match. And in the 86th minute, they have the ball in the net, but it was ruled out correctly, I think, for offside from what I've seen. And then in the 90th minute, a James Brophy corner was headed over the bar by Dan Happy. And the remainder of the game is played out and it's Plymouth who advanced into the second round of the League Cup as the O's were knocked out. So Ross Embleton spoke to Dave Victor after and from Dave Victor's Twitter feed, Ross said his team were beaten by the better side and at times we defended very well in the first half. He was disappointed with the goals they conceded and it will take something special to stop Plymouth this season, which I probably pretty much totally agree with there, yeah. what Ross had to say. Yeah, I mean, Plymouth's just, they've just come down, they just they, got as relegated, well. yeah. yeah, they've just come down, they've invested quite a lot, I think they've taken half the Berry team as well or something, yeah, yeah. they've got promoted, um, and they're, they're pretty much favourites for the league, um, so it's it's a pretty much of a yardstick to measure yourself against, considering we've only just got promoted and got to see where the land lies in this league, so uh, as, as George said, to get to an hour and weather the storm of the first half and, and do fairly well and then get done by a decent goal. Yeah. I mean, these are obviously better players. They come down from drop from, down from League One or Berry would, would have been up in League One, those players. So, um, like Ross said as well, it's, you, you learn from these mistakes. So, uh, any individual players who have got caught, okay, they, they'll take that on board and hopefully learn from it and they, they, they won't make that similar mistake again. Um, you could look at the Premier League today, you know, when uh, the Leicester guy maybe got caught in possession and Chelsea scored in the first few minutes. They do it, they do it in the Premier League, so uh, it, it's all a learning curve. And I don't think it was a disgrace to lose at Plymouth. Not that you go there where we're expected to lose at Plymouth. You know, you, you don't you want to win every game, obviously. But um, I think they they should be regarded as a slightly stronger unit than we mm. are at the moment uh, and you know the level that they're playing so uh, it'd be interesting when we go back in a few weeks because it's not long I think before we're back there again it's October in isn't the it? league yeah so it's not long away Tuesday night again I believe yeah and it's yeah. a Tuesday night but <laughs> I think that one's in half term so that might be one that I might be able to get down to in a half term actually so uh, yeah that's going to be interesting the teams will be slightly different as well because mm-hmm. I think Plymouth apparently also played not a weakened team but they didn't play the full yeah, strength yeah I think they made four or maybe five changes but it was you know, still a, a strong team yeah strong um, similar to us we, we, we yeah. change it a little bit about, but so um, that, that, you know as a measuring stick it's interesting to say okay you know, we, we matched them for, for an hour 
we got caught with a decent goal. Second one, maybe like like George said, to run through thirty yards and and then still finish. Maybe you need to do a little bit better with that. But um, okay, so let's learn and make yeah. sure it doesn't happen again. You know, so uh, yeah, looking forward to the to the to the next game there actually because you can measure something against the previous performance. Yeah, Russell will absolutely be gunning for that one. I think my views. I think it was a difficult match uh, in a cup. To be honest, I wasn't too bothered about, it, but I still would have liked to have won. Mm. But you know, it'd be good to bounce. Would have been good to bounce back after the previous Saturday. I like the lineup, so I'm not going to complain about that. Mm. For Ross, done well for that, and it sounded as if Plymouth, like Ross said, just better team on the night. A bit too much quality. I think Ross and the defence would be a bit disappointed with both goals um, defensively. But as long as you learn, like you said, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm And you take it forward. At this point, absolutely no need to panic. Early doors in the season. And like we always say here, keep calm, continue to back Ross and the team. And an absolutely massive kudos to the 205 O's fans who, on a Tuesday night, went to Plymouth because. That's such a good effort. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking there'd be about. You know, you're lucky to get three figures like 100, but mm. to get like double that is um, yeah. is good, really, really good. Fair play to them, yeah, incredible. So, those were our views, your views. So, a huge amount of feedback after this match. So, thank you for all the views that came into our social media accounts. If we don't mention you in a Plymouth tweet, you're probably getting mentioned in a Stevenage tweet. So, we try and read as many as possible, and just because we read them doesn't necessarily mean we agree with them. That's true. I don't even agree with them. The club doesn't agree with them. We just read them out. <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll take them on uh, around the table if you want. So at LOFC99 says the formation is not working at all. No creativity. And then at Alan Reeves 2 says, 4-4-2, we have some of the best attacking talent around the lower leagues and they are being restricted by playing either wing back or in a crowded central position. Let Brophy and JMD brackets and Dayton when he returns do what they do best and we will be fine. Yeah, Chris Cow too said, I think we need to go 4 4 2 as the current system isn't working. Joby is a massive miss for us and will make a difference when he's back. My main worry is in three games played or against League Two clubs, we've scored one goal. So I think a few people or most who are tweeting us are a bit concerned about the lack of attacking for only one goal. Yeah, I think that's, games. that's legitimate. You, know, you, you want to be, you know, Orient didn't go many games last season without scoring. I know the end of the season like that with, with the two 0 nil draws, but prior to that, it was generally scoring most games. Um, but, you know, so, so fans are going to be a bit miffed if they're not scoring, but it, you know, I guess it is like Howard said, it is a step up in quality, so you can't be expecting everything to be the same as last season. Um, yeah, at Barry Twin said simply men against boys. Yeah, the Orient Fan TV says I'm not fussed really. Obviously, would have loved the cup run, but the main focus has to be finishing as high as we can in the league. Only three games into a long season, and once the strikers get scoring, we'll be fine. Let's get behind the team on Saturday and get those three points. Then Joe Pavett said formation doesn't work. Need a bit of creativity on the flanks. We're missing Joby a lot. Brophy Maguire Drew needed out wide for sure. At Lee Boyce 23 says one goal in six games. It's time to get rid of this ridiculous 5-3-2 formation that has stopped us creating chances from open play since we started using it and go back to a 4-4-2. So again, lots of Orient fans calling to go back to a 4-4-2 formation. 
Then Big Ads LOFC said, I had no expectations for this season and today's result isn't a shock. We've been playing National League football for two seasons and it may take longer for Ross to find the winning formula than some expect. Good times and bad times, support and get behind the team. Yeah, I like that tweet. It's Stassi, Stassi. says, if you're not playing with wingers and in midfield, you have Clay and Wright, both of whom prefer to sit back. Then apart from hoofball, there was no attacking threat. From what I've seen of Angle, he doesn't seem the hoofball type, so it's going to be staffed a decent service. I think it's going to take a while to get new strikers and a new midfield combo, mm. really, to get embedded. Yeah. I into think someone the pointed out last year that I mean, it took Maka six or seven games. I think Bromley away was his first goal, um, and, I th- and that was in the 6 1 debacle. Yeah. Uh, and that was quite into the season. Before. I think that was a, I think that was a fourth game. I got to think. Was it the fourth that, game in the National League? But yeah. it took him. So it took him a while, and then he ended up scoring twenty nine. Yeah, twenty Yeah, twenty five. He got in that first year, and then even the the season just gone. I think it took him the third game. I think. Yeah, yeah he didn't. So, he didn't score against Salford or Ebbsfleet, and then scored against Barrow. So you know, it does. It takes strikers time. Um, you know, and that's natural, especially at a new club as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And then we got SR Barber, nineteen eighty six. If we beat Stevenage, which I think we will, it would be six points from nine. So nothing too much to worry about. However, we need more width and we need Angle and Wilkinson to get off the mark. And the underscore PO sixteen says this summer's recruitment reminds me of when Martin Ling took us from League Two to League One. We haven't significantly improved the squad to meet the step up and start with what worked. That's admirable, but always a risk. Ross should be brave now and make changes to ensure a dip doesn't set in. And then Nick Almighty 79 said, in 10 games, let's see where we are. Support the team, the staff, sing loud, most of all, support Ross. Yeah, great tweet. And the final word on Plymouth then was from Masters underscore James D. So some perspective is needed. Tonight was not a priority, but I'm concerned about the lack of creativity and goals. I felt on Saturday we were caught out too easily in wide areas and appeared soft in the centre. It's a step up. Sometimes it can take a while to adapt, but we'll get there. So thank you to all, everyone who tweeted us after the Plymouth. So prediction league update, quite a few correct predictions. So well done to at Liam NUFC 1998 at Speno 11, at Wadsey at Orient 65, at John W 999, at Boatsy at Fan Basing, at Eastside Orient, at Vlatas underscore C, at Mark Shepherd underscore 79, at Essex underscore O, at Ingleland 202, 10 at D underscore underscore feds at Nick underscore Clark 99 at Craig Delu at David Sears 3 and at Alan Goddage who all predicted a 2 0 defeat. So lots oh, of people, there was a lot of people there, weren't they? Saw that coming. So, what well to all you guys? <laughs> they, uh, got some decent, <laughs> good, decent money down on that. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice optimistic Orient fans. There. Do you know what? It's amazing the amount of predictions we get before a match. It's, uh, it's all manual to work out the winners there, so it does take a while. So, we'll, we'll do a full prediction league roundup at the end of the podcast so moving on into Tahue Wednesday the 14th of August it was a quiet day at the club no news to report so we are seeing more quiet days it's always nice to have a quiet day after uh, <laughs> it's generally been a quiet two years eh? compared, <laughs> compared to the previous two or three blimey it's never yeah. a quiet day absolutely and then Thursday 15th of August happy birthday to friend of the podcast Errol McKellar always got a smile on his face what a legend that bloke is absolutely absolutely legend always a pleasure to see him and it was also A-level results day so we hope all of our listeners who got their results received the grades they were hoping for and then Mooney Friday the 16th of August and on this day we remember Clapton Orient's George Scott who died in a German military hospital 
on the same day, 1916, from runes received in battle. As always, we will remember them. So, Saturday, the 17th of August, main event, Stevenage at home. So, prior to the match, we done a Twitter poll on Thursday asking you how you thought the O's would get on. And after 306 votes in 24 hours, 65% of you said Orient would win, with 22% the draw, and a 13% cynical bunch saying Orient mm. would lose. So, as always, thank you for all your votes in our Twitter polls. And we must also say a thank you to EnergyBet, who we ran a competition with for two pairs of hospitality tickets to be won. So well done to Matthew Evans and Tony Dello, who won the tickets, and we hope you had a great day. So at 2 p.m., as always, the team was announced for this one. And then goal was Dean Brill, at the back, Sam Ling, Danny Happy, Josh Coulson, Marvin Equitetta and Joe Woodhurston, and in midfield, Craig Clay, Josh Wright and James Brophy, and up top, Leanne Goal and Connor Wilkinson, and on the bench, Sam Sargent, Miles Jard, Dal Gorman, JMD, Louis Dennis, Matt Harold, and James Alabi. So for me, I wasn't surprised to see the formation staying as it is. I think we're going to keep that, I think, for at least a while. Um, interested to see Brophy in for JMD. Obviously, Ross has seen something that he likes, wanted to get Brophy on the pitch. As I said last week, look at the bench, there's lots of attacking options on the bench mm. yeah I mean I thought after three games where it hadn't created loads I wondered if he might have gone 4-4-2 for this one um, yeah, I felt that before the game um, and I just kind of know I just look at the team and think at home to Stevenage do you, do you need five defenders on the pitch I know Sam Ling and Joe Woodison are playing further forward but do you need five defenders um, so I, I, I thought they might have gone 4-4-2 it obviously means dropping one of the centre-backs but if it if you create more chances because of that, then it, it's worth doing. Um, but that was before the game, <laughs> and uh, the way they played probably proved me wrong. But <laughs> before the game, I was thinking, you know, not that it was a defensive team, but I just felt like there was too many defenders in there. I would I would have liked JMD and James Brophy to be in there, and them to be out wide and getting balls into the box for um, for Lee and Gorkler walks because I think that's how they're going to score. If you if you deliver enough good crosses into the area, they'll get onto the end of them eventually. Yeah, great point. We had loads of tweets before this match. We'll mention a few. And Leighton underscore ears said they're all good players, but Lingon Widdison at fullbacks, not wingbacks. Brophy's a winger, not a 10. Clan Wright are too similar. And the most creative player in the squad is on the bench. Prove me wrong, and I'll be over the moon. Wilco300 said, dislike three at the back as it's a system being played due to us having three good defenders. I want to see us playing a system based around our attacking players. That was a really good tweet, that one. At Essex Biz, said Brophy further forward gives us more options in attack. Much better balance to the team. LOFC Chaz said, I think JMD on the bench is a bad call, but Ross picks the team, and if it pays off, then fair play. Don't like the formation, but perhaps he doesn't want to change it this early on. And John J. Miller, 23, says, like many, I'd have gone 4-4-2, but let's all get behind the team and don't moan at mistakes the players will make. So how would... I think you were busy before the game with the walking football. Yeah, yeah, busy before the game with that. Um, in the hub, uh, always busy from about half past one, uh, flitting around, doing stuff, organising bits and pieces. But talking on the game, I think, you know, it's all about opinions and shapes and, uh, and players available and stuff, but we don't really know what's going on in the background. You've got to leave it to the, you've got to leave it to the staff, the professionals. Then, then, there's there's reasons why they picked that formation and that team, 
Um, you know, for, we, we may not know that JMD, for example, might have had a slight injury or something, and that's why he's on the bench mm. and can't make the first 11. And Brof is playing that position. I know they like him in a 10. And if you think of the first half of the times he got the ball, he actually frightened the life out of them. Frightened the life out of me? Yeah. And, and he did everything right. He, he was so far ahead of everyone else in that first 45. It was just, we just didn't get a toe on the ball and knock it in the back of the net, you know. So it was right. Whatever was happening was right. The, 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 the things that bugs me with, with teams like Stevenage when they come is that the, um, the time-wasting from the kickoff, which is absolutely, a, it's just, why the referees don't stand down on it, I'm not quite sure. I'm a ref myself and I, I do at my level. I mean, I know I'm only doing Sunday mornings and Saturdays, but if I notice that the keeper is starting to walk and drag the game and the throw-ins, the guys are walking from the first five minutes, I'll go, I'd go to the manager and say, look, I can see what's happening already. If you're going to continue, then we'll, I'll just book the next player to do it. So I'm not quite sure why they don't do that and, and, and sort the goalkeepers out because it's just, uh, I, don't know, I don't know, is it part of the game? They're slowing it right down from the kickoff. It's so annoying anyway, that's just a bug of mine. But um, yeah, we've we just got to leave it to the pros, I think. To, to, to They pick the team, they've worked on the formation, they've worked on something in the week and they're also, obviously, they've looked at their opposition and maybe tr- they try to highlight obviously the weak points in an opposition of the team that they may select and said right well if Brove can do this and run it which he was doing and it was working um, if you look at the chances we made it was one of those things that Stevenage keeper had a had a, a, a great game made some blinding saves they had 11 men in the second half there was one stage they had 11 men in their penalty area because we we count, uh, was we, we were looking where is everybody and it was just when you get teams that are going to defend like that at any level it's it's hard to get the ball in the back of the net but we still was almost there um, I know we haven't talked about the second half yet so uh, no we've talked about the first half yet have we not, have we not talked about the first half I have <laughs> so Howard's pretty much done a very good synopsis on the first half I mean it was a good start we're taking some of George Sessions tweets here so George in the third minute it's a good start Stevenish tests early on with a free kick in a corner, but O's break from the lat and Brill brilliantly finds Angle, who wins the corner after his effort is deflected over. One thing I did notice very early on was Brill was very eager to get the ball and was palming it out very quickly, starting attacks, which I haven't seen before. So we've obviously been working on getting the ball forward um, from the back. In the 10th minute, outstanding football from Orient, Riot, Ekpateta and Clay are all involved before Wilkinson's header is blocked. After Woodhouse's cross, O's keep it alive, and Brophy cuts inside but curls over. And I think already at that point, ten minutes in, like you said, Brophy, mm. you could sense sometimes when Brophy's in the mood for it, no. and when he's not in the mood for it. And yesterday, you got the sense that he was proper in the mood I for it. I think it's it's confidence for him. He's a real, real big confidence player. If the first time he gets the ball and he tries to go past someone and they tackle him. Then I think that does knock his confidence for the for the rest of the game because he's got in the back of his mind, oh, the last time I tried to beat this guy, he, he stopped me, sort of point blank. If he skips past them, which he does normally, then it just seems to just his confidence flows and flows and flows. And I just wish he was more confident in front of goal because if he could add goals to his game, he would be, yeah, you know, it'd be better than League Two standard. Mm. It would be higher. He would be at League One like he was before with Stevenage. So I think that's the the next real key thing for him. Try and then add more goals to his game because he does generally get the assists. 
Mm. But I think, you know, over the last two, pretty much two seasons or and I think he's only got about five, maybe six goals. Um, mm. So if he could get closer to kind of, you know, six, seven every season, I think, um, you know, it'd, it'd take him to another level. He's clearly enjoying enjoying the game yesterday. In 13th minute, Conor Walker's almost broke his duck as he had two efforts at goal. The first was palmed away low at the near post and the second was caught comfortably by Farman in the goal. And again, I thought Conor looked well up for it yesterday, especially in the first half. So real good physical presence from him. And no real talking points for the next 10 minutes as the O's starting to dominate possession, but not really creating any clear-cut chances. And in the 26th minute, probably the biggest talking point in the game as Happy and Guthrie came together in the area, the ball went behind and the ref, Swabi, initially seemed to say no penalty and then pointed to the spot and after a conversation with the linesman, he awarded a corner. Pretty bizarre stuff. I mean, we sit right behind that. Mm. He seemed to say no straight away and then seemed to get something in his ear from the liner which suggested it was a penalty and then gave it and then seemed to want to talk to the liner again and then decided... It wasn't oh, a penalty. Right. It, looked, it looked like he'd given it and then the player said, no, you need to go and talk to him. And the lino actually was the one who said, no, happy got his foot to mm. it. Because it looked, I sit in the west side and it, it did look like a pen. I thought it was a penalty. From the back. I, I thought it was 100 But you would have seen it come from the yeah, other, yeah. from the other angle. Did it look like a pen to you then? Not at the time, but I clearly saw the ref straight away go, See, no, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, I saw the ref shake his head straight yeah. away. And then I, at that point I was thinking, right, it's... it's not gonna give me yeah, and then and then and then he pointed, then to, he the pointed spot. to the spot, yeah. Which but weird. as soon as he pointed to the spot, I think the linesman walked onto the pitch. So what what I think might have happened is the linesman's waved his flag, but to point towards the corner flag. Oh, okay. But the referee seen that flag be waved and then pointed to the spot. Penalty. But once, because then the linesman straight, the linesman doesn't normally walk onto the pitch. I mean, I don't generally see that. They normally just go over and have a chat by the sort of corner flag. But the linesman actually walked onto the pitch to try and say to the referee, no, it's not a penalty. It's, it's a corner from my point of view. But the the thing I don't get, and I mean, I, I think it was a penalty. But oh, you I, think it was a penalty? Yeah, yeah I think it was. Uh, from, from the West End, it looked a penalty to me. Have you seen it back? I've not, no. Oh, I've seen, yeah, I've seen Have you seen it now? Yeah, so today the clubs yeah. were tweeting each other, weren't yeah. they? So yeah. Swindon, oh, Swindon they? put up a clip of the video in Steven real time. Sorry, Stevenage. <laughs> in real time of the incident. Yeah. And then later on it replied with a very slowed down <laughs> version of the incident. It's a, I mean, it's a tough one to call in real time. I think the slow mo version. Yeah, as you say, from our view in the West. It looks dependent. Yeah, because yeah. you can see Dan go through. He's got caught. Oh, yeah, because I thought Dan caught the man and then got the ball yeah. which to me is a penalty because you've gone through the man to get the ball yeah. but obviously Orient no as Steve's saying we've seen the video the, now the slow-mo suggests it wasn't no he's got penalty. Dan has got his toe to the ball knocked the ball first oh, and the okay. guy's been over his leg fair enough so, um, yeah, but no what, what I didn't understand is the referee was very close to that so why is he relying on the linesman yeah. because he, if he's close enough then surely he's he got a much, a much better angle He's close. He's, he can see the linesman's looking side on and Dan's tackling. Dan's foot is going sort of the blind side of the linesman. So I didn't really know why it was such a big thing for the linesman to get involved anyway, but it worked out for him, didn't it, in the end? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's two games and, in a row, isn't I was yeah. going to say, yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought that one was a penalty as well. The first, in the first one. game, yeah, I thought it was. So, uh, I they, thought that was a stonewall yeah, penalty yeah. the first one. But then, but then yeah. Orient afterwards, I think Ross, I'm fairly certain Ross said afterwards he'd seen a replay. And, well, he hadn't, but the coaching staff had, and they they thought it wasn't a penalty, that one. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, they said apparently Varney was already going down, and that's why Brill got kneed in the face. That was it. 
uh, and that's what gave him oh, a okay. slight concussion. But yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully uh, yeah, <laughs> it'll be another time. Lucky. Yeah, yeah, don't want a third time. Don't want a third time unlucky. Yeah. So thirty-six minute. Exo Scott Cuthbert, who took a knock earlier in the game, had to come off. Got a decent reception. I was happy yeah, for that. I think yeah. Scott. That was a great, great guy, but Scott. So he deserves that. Yeah, great defender. And there were eight minutes of stoppage time were played as Craig Clay was booked for a pull. And the O's going goal at half time. Interesting half time stat from the club. We had 71.1% possession in the first half. So again, pretty much controlling the game but nothing to show for it going in half time no, I'm not I don't know about Joe I'm not one who believes in possession anyway there's loads of stats already this season with clubs who have had like uh, three quarters of the game and lost so possession means nothing if you don't get a goal you know? yeah you've got to make you got to make the most exactly. of it yeah. Yeah. And that was my only kind of critical point for more in that first half they had right, 71% yeah 71% of the possession but how many chances, real clear-cut chances, did they create? You know, Josh Wright had one very good effort. Mm. Um, you know, Connor Wilkinson had a shot as well. But that's like, you know, two clear-cut chances. You expect more when mm. you've got seventy-one percent of the possession, and especially when you're at home. Um, so that was my only issue with that first half. I wanted them to create, a, you know, a tiny bit more. You know, even if it's just four clear-cut chances, because you you just put in more pressure and actually working um, Paul Farman in this evening's goal. Mm. Yeah. Good point. So you tweeted, George, at halftime saying, goalless at the break. Later on, it created a lot more than in previous games, but have yet to get the better of Stephen Hitch's Paul Farman. The visitors have made two subs already, so more problems for them. Oh, Half yeah. time. They've, um, before the game, they had 11 injuries, Stephen Hitch. So you add that to, and that's 13 injuries for them, which is uh, pretty, pretty incredible, really. I mean, once it gets to that number, is it? Just bad luck, or is there something else you've got to look at? I don't wasn't know. there? I think the second the, the, might have been the guy who came on because both centre halves they got both centre halves. come off second, and then yeah. it was Terence, their guy that came yeah, off. He's just a scholar or something. Yeah, he? he's a youngster, but he's quite highly rated. But yeah, they had yeah. a really young team. Um, young, yeah. Second half, I think they're three centre backs, or at least two of them were both teenagers. Yeah. Um, and I think one of them was making his first appearance. Louis so. Fernandez, which is the new. He was very popular, wasn't he? The new yeah. song in Stevenage, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but fair, the away fans were, were, they were great quite, for us. They were really they were good. Great, yeah. They were very good. I was impressed by them. I, I mean, I, I remember Stevie's from before in League 2. I didn't think their fan base was that good, but it, that was very impressive. Saturday. Yeah, considering coming off two defeats in their first two games, they were quite vocal. So for me, yeah, I thought we played well in the first half. It just wasn't just happening, just slightly off happening. I thought Brophy was immense, though. I thought Wilkinson had a really good half, so I was interested to see what would happen in the second. So, attendance was announced at 5,104, with 422 Stevenage fans making the journey. So, the second half kicked off with no subs for the O's. And in the 51st minute, it was a brilliant double save by Farmer, probably our best chances of the game in hindsight. Wilkinson done well. I think he bullied his man, got into the area, drove into the box, mm. shot towards the near post. Good save from Farman. And the ball came out to Angle, and I must admit, I was like almost out of my seat, ready to yeah. celebrate. And somehow Angle's shot, which was destined to go in, was saved by Farman again, and it wasn't to be. But yeah. good play there, good move. Paul Wilkinson done well. Just at that point, you're thinking this might not be our day. I would have to uh, say. I, I just thought it was a matter of time. It was. It was. You just yeah, felt I was it's coming. It's coming, and it was good. It was a good start. That's exactly yeah, what you wanted. Yeah, you wanted yeah. them to get on the front foot to create chances early on. Um, yeah, Wilkerson was very unlucky. I mean, I think Angle should have done 
you know, from that range, he's, he, I think he would expect to score. It was a good save, but he would expect to score. But yeah, Wilkinson done really, really well for that. And he's, I loved his, um, I loved his composure yesterday when he was, you know, he's in the area. There's a lot of bodies around him, but he didn't seem phased by it. You know, did what he would do and created a bit of space. Um, so that was quite impressive. Yeah, he done well. I thought the next fifteen minutes, so is more of the same really as the first half with Stevenage not really getting out of their own half, mm. us having the possession, trying to work an opening but really having nothing to show for it. In the 64th minute, a great cross from Sam Ling was met by the outstretched Wilkinson who somehow got his foot to the ball. Ball came loose, Angle almost there, but Farman got to it. I think Angle went over, maybe looking for a penalty. Yeah, I mean, that was, getting that. Sam Ling's delivery was absolute top-notch there. And I actually think, I've not seen this back, but I thought at the time Wilkinson could have done better. I feel like he... I don't know where he got contact with on his foot. It might have even been his leg, but it's same my then where he would just volley it into the net. But I think he got the contact slightly wrong, and that's why it went backwards. And Angle had his kind of coming together with Farmer, but it was never a penalty. But that was that was a really good chance actually. Mm. But it's not why then you you look back on and think is a good chance. But at the time, I, I thought that was a real mm. real golden opportunity for him. Yeah, so didn't go in seventy first minute. Dal Gorman came on for Craig Clay who has had another fine game again. This is a tweet from you, George. Uh, Orient still searching for the opener. Plenty of the ball again this half, but Farman's only had the double save to make. Wilkinson's getting closer. I think Ross alluded to it that he wanted to throw Dale Gorman on. Thought he played well on Tuesday, obviously against his former club and how many times have we seen our next player mm. against the former club come and punish him. In the 74th minute, Connor Wilkinson came off for Louis Dennis. And in the 81st minute, following what looked like cramp, Danny Happy comes off for Matt Howard. So Wilkinson, I thought when Wilkinson came off, I thought we lost a bit of our attacking impetus. I thought he kind of didn't work. He was, he's having a better game than Leon Gould. I agree. Um, I actually think Leon Gould probably a better player than Wilkinson, but I thought, you know, this was a real game for Wilkinson. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that as well, mate. It was, um, I, I would have taken off Leon Gould, I think, rather than Connor in that situation. Yeah, I think a few people said Connor was holding his back, so maybe he, pulled something cool or maybe it wasn't 100% but those are the choices that were made 85th minute close for the O's Gorman let's fly from range and Farman fumbled it the ball came to Ling uh, he whipped it across the face of goal but Dennis was unable to finish at the back post and Steven had to survive and again I think at that point Brophy's kind of now being played further back and you're just kind of hoping for a moment of magic which seemed like it wasn't gonna come and I think as the later the game got on, I think the more nervy it got in the stands, the Stevenage fans were still singing, that started to get louder. And you were thinking this would be an absolute travesty mm. if uh, Stevenage go and nick it here. So four minutes of added time were played. And in the 93rd minute, the O's had a free kick. So we all thought this would be the last chance yeah. of the game. So we were like, right, get everyone forward for it. Let's see if we can we can do it. The free kick came to nothing. Stevenage cleared and suddenly... <laughs> You're thinking. I think there's a four on Stevenage. <laughs> yeah, they, he made an absolute mess of it. I think yeah. um, I can't think who the guy was, but he, Stevenage probably should have scored in that situation. Oh really? Yeah. I'm not seeing that back. Yeah, honestly, yeah. It, Howard bang on it. It was like, or at least had two defenders all of a sudden, and it, it was like four Stevenage yeah, players yeah. like going at them. Um, they got really caught out, and uh, yeah, it was actually quite fortunate that it only went mm. for a corner. And, but then they did have one last chance. Yeah, so that one last chance was a volley from Danny Newton. Who struck it quite nicely and it looked from where we were at was heading right into the yeah. bottom kick, corner was, yeah. but a great hand from Bill who to be fair to him has had not much to do but has to keep that mental awareness to make a good a good save because otherwise we'd be talking uh, 
about a defeat. So we must say, well done. Yeah, that was that's a top quality save from Dean Brill, and you won't really think about it because you walk away from the game and think of all the chances already missed. But he doesn't. Yeah, you know, he's got down low there. It's not not as if it was at a decent height for him. So that's a really good save. And if he doesn't save that, then already lose one nil, and all of a sudden there, you know, there's a real, you know, everyone's down down again, and you kind of you starting to panic. You don't need to even if even had lost one nil because it's three games into the season. But it, that's very crucial save that, yeah. um, and it's good for Orient to get get the clean sheet after the the two previous games. I think that was key. Yeah, massive. So the whistle. Full time went shortly after the match ends nil nil. We had twenty three shots, so it's not like we won going for goal. I mean, that's a pretty. Yeah, I think sixteen stat. inside the box. I see it on tweet as well after really? the game. Wow, um, the most in any of the definitely Championship, League One, and League Two. It might have been Premier League as well, but oh, definitely okay. the most of any of the football mm. league clubs. So about those twenty three shots, nine on target. Um, as the Stevenage fans were happier, so Stevenage fans, like you mentioned, still singing away very happy with the point um, most fans I would say Orient fans clapped the team off there were a few not many boos in the south stand but loud enough to hear which I, f- yeah. I found really surprising mm. to be honest at three I'm games in yeah D- didn't hear them as I say over in the west didn't hear them thankfully but... I didn't no I mean it's, that's way knee jerk I know oh. I know you don't want to draw nil nil with Stephen Lynch because you know you want Orient to win all the home games but there's no need to boo that performance they they yeah, I would have liked them to probably create more clear-cut chances, but they've had 16 shots inside the area, 23 overall. Yeah. It's not as if mm. this is a, they've performed poorly. And defensively, they were, they were a lot more sound than they had been in the, in the previous two. So well, you've got to give bizarre. some credit to, to the Stevenage defenders. Yeah. You know, you've had that many, and you're saying that, you know... Uh, they weren't clear cut but if if the guy's blocking them on the line the keeper's having a worldie of a day and stuff like that then we, we can only do what we can do if they've got 11 men behind the ball which is what they did have at times but there were 11 of them in, in their own area yeah they chucked their bodies uh, on the line a lot of times you know, so give them credit and as you say younger kids as well they've got points to prove and energetic and adrenaline and you know we, we, can, we can do what we can try and do but as you say as well with Brill making that save at the end, that's actually going to disappoint because we could have lost it in the last second there. Yeah. Uh, so we've come away with a point. Um, and in fact, I think we've got more points after three games than we had last season. Oh yeah, it was three points. Yeah, yeah. So we're actually no, doing better in, no <laughs> in the higher league. Yeah, no wins as well. Take the oh. positives, yeah. So there you go. Or, or are you going to win in win league too? All right, you've said it now, George. <laughs> you've said it now. So Ross Embleton spoke to Dave Victor after. Uh, we were going to play it, but seven minutes long, it's probably going to turn his podcast into a huge one. I think, George, you were there pretty much. Uh, I think the main points, Ross said, I think he was quite happy with the performance I think when asked about his reaction I think he said when he got into the changing room he just said you know what if yeah. to say I think he said oh. I think I think his actual quote was ah yeah like, <laughs> literally like holding it like you know in frustration um, you know I think he was he said he was pleased with the uh, with the chances and just thought it was one of them where Orient you know eventually it would go in um, but he did mention right at the end um, Dave being a very good interviewer as he is um, talked about the transfers and Ross very much suggested there could be a new player in by the Mansfield game which is Tuesday so that's 
definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, I can't remember if he mentioned the position or not. Yeah, he did say mid. He, he did, did say, say central midfield. midfield. Yeah, that, I think that's. I mean, I feel like that's where we need another body. Um, someone that is a ball winner, it's kind of similar to Charlie Lee last season. So yeah, if they can do that before Mansfield, that could be a real big boost. It just gives gives Ross and and the the squad a sort of different dimension as well. Because um, Dal Gorman, Craig Clay, and Josh Rowe are all very good players, but they they do seem quite similar, similar. Um, you know not completely but it, they're all kind of more passers of the ball I know Gorman can put his foot in and so can the other two lads but they're all better at passing and, and setting that tempo whereas you, I think Orient need a ball winner really yeah, yeah. it's also numbers isn't it I mean if it, like he said if you lose one or two through injury uh, you're, you're, you're very light in the midfield mm. there so it's, it's actually bolstering that area yeah so. so yeah good interview there from Ross that is up on the official Orient website so if you do want to listen to it that is up in full to look at or listen to so the league table we'll talk about it but it's so early on uh, it barely has any relevance so the draw men four points taken from nine so like you said more points at this stage than what we had in National League last season 16th place in League 2 but those league positions yeah. are going to fluctuate until what end of August perhaps even later than that to be honest mid-September yeah absolutely so my views I thought we played really well in the first half started the second half well but I thought the last 25 minutes I think it's like you said against Plymouth Stephen Leach got to the 60 minutes Mm. 65 minutes the crowd kind of died down a bit we started feeling a bit tired and then when it was a battle to do it I thought Brophy was exceptional in the free roll be interesting to see what actually Ross does on Tuesday does he Mm. stick with Brophy does JMD come back in does he put Dennis in does he try and put two of them in to get more attacking flair does this new player who might be coming in by Tuesday, making an appearance. It's all great options for Ross to have. And obviously, you know, if Happy isn't fit because of his cramp or when he pulled up, that does that give Ross the perfect excuse to go, all right, let's go 4-4-2 then. So lots of options there for Ross, lots of stuff to think about. I thought the movement of Ling and Willowson on the wings was great. I thought Ling's delivery for the most part was good. I think Willowson isn't there yet. Without, I think he got into some good positions, but then he's looking behind him for mm. runs with maybe a more natural wing back. He's going to look to pull it in the box earlier, but that will come with Joe. I thought he did do well. Uh, Wilkinson, very good. I thought Angle was okay. I thought he had some really good first touches against Cheltenham. There were a few that went slightly off piste, I thought, yesterday at points, but our centre backs looked really good. Um, but I thought once we brought on the subs, I thought we kind of our intensity died down a little bit. But four points from nine, a very, very decent return from a newly promoted side. You know, and while Stevenage will have to take it, and it is a decent, a decent point. And I think we've said it before, but we've just come up. You know, we are adjusting to life in League Two. Mm. We've got a new manager. We've had a tragic summer. That we all know about. Surely we have to be happy for that. But as we will read some of the tweets, has success gone to some of our heads? I think because yeah, some people who aren't happy at this stage in the season, and I think this, this you know, everyone would have liked or into a beaten Stevenage, but a nil-nil draw of them is not the worst result in the world. They almost made the playoffs last season. I know they haven't started well this year, but they were they were in the playoff race going into that final day of the season. Um, I think it was a late goal in in that on that final day, which actually cost them a place in the playoffs. So this is, you know, or have just gone to to Plymouth. Right, it was a cup game, but they've come down from League Two, um, from League One. Sorry, so that was a tough game, and Stevenage was going to be a tough game. I mean, I, I wanted Orient to win this game. I expected them to win it because it's a home game, and I probably expect Orient to win every home game, whether that's right or wrong. But 
they haven't lost it and they've got a clean sheet. You know, they've created a lot more chances than they did against Cheltenham. So there's a lot of positives stated. There's no need to really be, be negative about a nil-nil draw with Stevens. It's not it's not a nil-nil draw with sort of Barrow, is it? Or a nil-nil right, draw yeah. with, with Guysley from two years ago. So I'm not sure there needs to be too much negativity after that from uh, from my point of view. Okay, well you mentioned negativity. We're going to go on to your views. So again, just because we read them, doesn't mean we agree with them so it was quite a mixed bag I would say on social media so Paul underscore Stokes 39 said I said it during pre-season and I'll say it again now we are not good enough in front of goal whether that's Embleton or the players I don't know but something needs to change personally I think it's a lack of quality up front and we'll get hammered by Mansfield so Paul isn't a happy over as it stands completely disagree with that they get hammered by Mansfield definitely not but um, anyway, Rich P242 says, Stevenage were there for the taking. This one is down to poor tactics for me. Two points dropped. MCA Ziggy says, Frustrating day. If we can't beat that lot at home, then we are in trouble. Taking Clay off, our player of the year, was poor by Ross. Didn't have the bottle to take Josh off, in my opinion. I don't want to knock Ross as I generally like the guy, but he is not a head coach material yet. I'll butt in at that point because. Ross spoke about Craig Clay afterwards. The reason he took him off was because he was on a yellow card and because where the game was becoming stretched, I think it was around the 70th minute, he was wary that or we were putting a lot of people forward and they could be sort of susceptible to being hit on the counter-attack. And if Craig Clay is running back with someone, he's probably going to have to commit a professional foul. And if he gets, if he does that, he's going to get sent game off. So, yeah. Hence why he didn't take off Josh Wright. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think Josh Wright had a bad game yesterday, but I think Craig Clay, his energy probably had dipped because he, he runs around like a madman the whole game. Doesn't yeah. he? But I, I don't, don't think that's, uh, don't think it was anything to do with him have, not having the bottle to take off Josh Wright. But um, Billy Baker says, I think we were extremely unlucky. Referee was worse than National League. Stevenage were playing for a point from the fifth minute. Once again, Ling and Brophy were the stars. I worry that Wilkinson has the Holman curse and he's never going to score despite the fact he clearly has ability. I think the Wilkinson goal hopefully is coming sooner rather than later. It wouldn't surprise me if they both score when he does score, in the same game. When he does score, I guarantee you he'll celebrate in front of the opposition fans and hold his um, hands to his ears because he done that pretty much every single time he scored for Dagenham no idea why he, he didn't <laughs> seem to get a lot of stick from the from the opposition fans but that was how he always celebrated so I have a look out for that oh, I look forward to watching him cup his ears yeah. into the opposition hopefully he's doing it on Tuesday night so yeah. Paul underscore LT2 pieces I know it's only three games but the players look lost no understanding which is odd given their pre-season the forwards need to score to give them some confidence and they had 11 men behind the ball and we needed width so Sam Pretty underscore LOFC said, thought we looked good going forward first half, apart from no goals. Second half would have liked a formation change because they weren't much. There wasn't much of a threat up top from Stevenage, and was very surprised JMD didn't get brought on. That was his type of game to tear teams apart. Let's not forget, after three league games last season, we had only three points. People need to give it time before calling for drastic change. So it's like you said, you know, JMD might be being safe for Tuesday. Maybe he's carrying a knock and. Doesn't want to be a risk. I'm sure there was probably reasons for that. Uh, I am underscore Mo says thought we worked hard, but my worry with this team is midfield. There's no goals in this midfield, and if the forwards aren't yet firing, I don't see the midfield scoring either. So it'd be interesting to see what this new midfielder, if he's in by Tuesday, can bring to the team. 
So Jake two three nine seven eight 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 one. Please change your name, mate. <laughs> Good performance, but didn't get the win I felt we deserved. But remember, we are only three games in, and I feel as the team gels more, we will take the chances we create. Yeah, Paolo nineteen eighty six says one point is better than no points, and another toward that fifty point mark. Dominated the game, but couldn't score. Did create chances, which is a positive but just need to put them away. Boatsy said, I'm not panicking just yet. Four out of nine points is not a bad return for a newly promoted team. Another day, we would have won that. I would take a draw at Mansfield away. Yeah, it's funny, four out of nine, I think people are disappointed. If had we drawn all three games, we'd be sitting here and it'd be a completely different outlook on it and we'd have a point less. It's the way football works, isn't it? Uh, Paul Skinner, 88. This is disappointing. Service from midfield isn't great. Kept them safely at bay pretty well, but didn't look creative in any way. Substitutions were made far too late, and Harold, Dennis, and Judd should start in the next game. The new drop ball laws are a farce. There was a few drop balls where it did look a bit mental, and some of those. Uh, there was a really bad one, wasn't there, where um, the, the Stevenage player just uh, literally was just putting the ball out of play for a corner. Right. And um, I can't think who it was that went down. I think it might have been even their goalkeeper or one of the defenders went down with a head injury. And I think the referee must have blown the whistle literally just before the ball actually went out of play. And because of that, he decided it was a drop ball, not a corner, but, which seemed very, very pedantic yeah. because it was pretty much a corner. But there, there was one where I know Dan Happy got, he got knocked on the head, I think. I think it was that one, and actually. And against yeah. the other near the east end. And... The ball had carried on a little bit. The ref looked at him. Is it a headed? Whatever, whatever. And then um, Stevenage had, picked, had got possession of the ball, and then he'd blown the whistle. Now the the, the law now is that who, if whoever's in possession, you just drop it and give them back possession. You don't give it back to the defending team to kick back to you, right? Because then you're just kicking it forty yards mm. back to their keeper. So wherever the ball is, you just drop it and they carry on from there. So that's. I mean, it's it's probably fairer. Uh, it just happens that because he'd stopped it for Dan Happy, in that three or four seconds, the transition, the ball had gone back to Stevenage. Then he blew the whistle. So Stevenage, he dropped the ball for Stevenage. You think, hang on, you've stopped it because Dan Happy's got to hit it. You know, the, and that's why it looked a bit weird. Right. Because actually we've stopped it for him. Yeah, but Stevenage had the ball mm. when I blew the whistle, so they have to have the ball back. And you drop it right where he is so he can carry on playing. And he doesn't have to pass it. He can actually dribble it and carry on. <laughs> So it looks a bit strange, but that's that's the that is quite nice one. Yeah, good one for showing, uh, for clearing that one up. Yeah. LOFC Chaz says, just a question: Who voted for man of the match? Brophy, <laughs> hands down, should have won it. Didn't put a foot wrong. Should have won. No bad in- individual performances. Think we were more unlucky as I have never seen so many blocks. Positives, but need to beat teams like this. Got to say, I was team Brophy for man of the match. It was a bit when they announced it. I said to my mates. Brophy in it it's no one else yeah I, yeah, I thought Samling was man the match against Cheltenham um, I thought Samling played well yesterday he did play well but I thought Brophy was man the yeah. match yesterday but I've got a feeling Brophy won it against Cheltenham I might be wrong but I've got a feeling oh, okay. it was Brophy against Cheltenham and Sam yeah, was runner up right. um, so I don't know if maybe they thought oh, we can't give it to Brophy again even it up yeah Rob MCC 68 it's year after year we struggle to break down teams that come to sit deep and waste time Stevenage spent so much time on the floor they should be sponsored by Carpet Right. <laughs> that's brilliant Sunny P 32 says even though we played very well today I think formation change is needed when Ling or Widdison had the ball all they had all they could do was run down the line and then attempt to turn inside because they were there were no players to help them they looked very good but isolated very yeah, good point Les LK 52 says I thought we had the lion share possession and chances and slowly it looks like we are getting into our stride however 
I don't think 5-3-2 is doing us any favours. And when fit, I think Dayton in a 4-4-2 will make a huge difference. Shout out for Brophy. Unplayable today. And we keep talking about his attacking midfielder, but we've still got Mr. Brophy to come back. And we Dayton, know, Dayton, sorry, Dayton. Yeah. We know when J- a fit James Dayton will get you a lot of assists. Quality player. Hopefully yeah. he'll be back soon. Um, Amerson O said, very frustrating match. I thought we shaded it but not much quality up front and poor crossing. But undefeated at home and no goals conceded. PS, Brophy, man of the match, all day. So yeah, it's a good point. Two home games, four points out of six, two clean sheets. You know, if your home form's decent, then we're not going to have any struggles this season. Orient underscore Vikings is a decent side would have put three past us. And let's be honest, Steve Lynch were poor. Our final ball was awful and we looked like a side that needs to sort and out. I love Ross, but he's not the man to take the side forward. Top bloke and one of us, but sorry. That is becoming clear, so very harsh there again. Mm. Four games in, we're deciding that. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Vince Howard, 73. Thought we did okay today and played some good stuff at times. Though, would say we looked easy to defend against as no one dragging defenders and same balls being played in. Worrying that Angles seemed to lose interest after an hour. Special mention to those that booed in the south stand. That's got to be some kind of record, four games into a season. Yeah, there weren't many, but there were a few. Bert underscore Daddy's just more than happy with that performance. Could easily have got the win, and I'm happy to bumble along, picking up points here and there. I think people have short memories. Good tweet. RP Bernstein said, Shame we couldn't find the goal we needed. Not sure if Clay was injured, but I thought the subs were odd. Could have bought on JMD for Ling to provide more threat. Wilkinson taken off when looking good whilst Angle not looking likely to score. Still, Ross knows best. Veggie Jones says, despite criticisms people were making, we had several shots on goal, created a lot of opportunities and we missed a sitter. This doesn't look like a massive problem to me. J- underscore J Crowley underscore. People calling for Ross's head are silly. He's new to management and has taken on a squad who are meant to be cruising the league who aren't meant to be cruising the league, sorry. Four points from three games is an awful going, and the stats show we are controlling the ball, creating some chances, and defending well. Give him time. Yeah, absolutely. JB Foreman, double O two. said, we played so well. One of those games where if we had scored one, you felt the floodgates would open. Brophy was great, and the win-backs provided decent support, and on another day, we win that 4-0. I do think, had we scored the first, we would have absolutely destroyed them. I thought that first, the crowd would have changed. There would have been a lot Flood more. Gate, 100%. Mm. And we would have absolutely battered them. At Leighton, Eos. I've no idea what position Brophy played yesterday. Free roll, perhaps. But it wasn't defensive, and that was the key. A team with an unsung JMD and Brophy in creative roles and an informed striker, and well soon, and we'll soon start climbing the table. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see again. If you get two great midfielders in, maybe you should go one up top. Or again, Interesting decisions for us. And the final word this week goes to El Coado. It says, four points from the first three matches is a solid return considering the turbulence of the summer. Hopefully we find our scoring boots again, though, as our poor scoring form from the tail end to last season has continued. People calling for Ross to go need to calm down. Only three league games in. So thank you for all your tweets. There's a lot there. So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of them that we read out. They all came into at Orient Outlook. So you can tweet us at Orient Outlook or you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com as well as finding us on Facebook and on Instagram so our prediction league update not as many correct predictions for yesterday but still quite a few so well done to Murphy one Steve I rock and back 72 at John Band 630 654 73 underscore blow error 
at Jamie PD LMFC, at Paul underscore Stokes 39, at Stephen Orient, and at Vlatas underscore C, who all predicted 0 0. So it's early days in our prediction league, but O's fan basing and Vlatas underscore C currently top of the league on six points. There's two correct predictions already this season. So well done to you, gentlemen, and as always, Thanks for your predictions. That rounds up Saturday and today on the 18th of August. The ladies were in action as their season started and they had the best possible start as they beat Cambridge City 5-1. Yeah. So goals from Hayley Barton, Eagle Trezzy, Sophie Lemarchand, Danielle Griffiths who was on the podcast at the back end of last season. So well done Danielle for your goal and Bell and Ripple. And well done to ladies 5-1. Hopefully another final at least for the ladies this season yeah. after getting to two last season. Yeah, I think it's... Um It'd be a tough season for them again. In this, they've gone up a level last year. So, but I, I, I here they've strengthened quite well. They've got a, you know half a new squad mm-hmm. there. Um, there's going to be one or two games at the Brea Group Stadium. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. Um, it'd be good to get people down there supporting the women there. But uh, yeah, great start. They yeah. always seem to be progressing from what I've. Yeah, you know, I, I can't. I don't follow them as closely as the first as the men's team. Um, but you know, whenever I sort of I've spoken to Daniel a couple of times and the uh, and the manager as well, and then every year they seem to be progressing. You know, got promotion a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. didn't they? Um, and you know, they've had some really good games um, at home as well in front of you know the Orient fans at Brisbane Road. So um, so yeah, it looks looks pretty positive for the ladies again. I think. Yeah, we'll hopefully be talking about a lot more wins for the ladies. So one hour twenty eight minutes. Let's wrap up this bad boy. <laughs> so fantasy football update. Jay Smith lead to the Orient Outlook podcast fantasy league on one hundred and sixty points, but it's very early days. I have no idea what I am. There's lots of Premiership players who aren't doing the jobs for me. Um, so I can't work it out, but I'm not in the top 51 out of 189 players. And Dream Team update, I'm doing slightly better. So A. Brown leads the Orient Outlook podcast Dream Team League. I'm in 13th and the bearded legend has had enough with fantasy football. He's quit. He's not doing it this season. It takes up too much of his time. He gets too frustrated. So he has pulled himself out of there. So time to move on. To positives and negatives of the week, George, you want to do the positives? Yeah, sure. So we got the performance against Stevenage, which Think a much know, better performance. I'd say, I'd say. Is, uh, was a positive performance certainly, and then also the fact that there's been three games in seven days, and from what we know, no new real injuries. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of travelling. You know, Maxfield and Plymouth, um, mm. and to have no injuries, you would have thought there'd be some type of game. I think Dan Happy's fine. I think it was only a bit, a little bit cramped, but like he said. So yeah, that's um, you know two real positives, and then obviously the ladies' result as well, which you've just spoke about. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, three good positives there, I think. Yeah, let's add a fourth in all the trust activity. So well done, Howard. Oh. Another fantastic week. Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, um, it's uh, it's one of the things that we we've got to maintain. Um, as Kent said, you know, uh, there's going to be a, a is it a thousand more people are going to be moving into. Around in and around yeah. the ground in the next three or four years, uh, and that's you know we've got to we've got to get into the community now and and start working on bringing those into the club rather than uh, a mile the other way. So um, yeah, constantly working, especially like I said with the local borough, getting them on our side and working with them. Um, we're looking for new ways to to make it interesting, to enhance the north stand for the kids. Um, as I say, that we're actually going to enhance the hub as well, the diversity hub, uh, create more space in the East End. Um, we're hopefully going to create more. Uh, it can be a bit of a, a logjam over there for those of you who those who know know the East End. 
with the extra crowds that we're getting now, which is really good to see, um, it, it does get very cramped and the queues can be a little bit overwhelming. So we're looking to uh, rearrange the bar area and move the hub a little bit to create more space. And so that, that's uh, actually that's quite in the short term. So I'm looking forward to that um, and working with the local community. Yeah, Brilliant. Great stuff. So negatives uh, from me this week. So negatives. We haven't scored in the last three games, so many chances, but not able to put the ball in the net. And if you don't put the ball in the net, you don't win. Uh, second negative, although it might not be a negative really, we are out of the Carabao Cup. Depends on the way you look at it. I was so disappointed with the draw. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was excited for it to be back in it, thinking, oh, you know, could get a you know real big club, um, championship club, hopefully, yeah. and yeah. either away day or them coming to coming to Prison Road. So yeah, it was a rubbish draw, and yeah. Yeah, it was obviously a tough one. Yeah. I was looking like QPR away, Brentford yeah, away, and you're thinking, oh, come on. They were in there, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, all yeah. the big ones. That would have been oh. nice. But in, in, then in the second round, you think, well, let's get through now because I think West Ham are actually in the in the next draw. Yeah. And you think, oh, okay, right. yeah, let's get this. Yeah. Have absolutely. a bit of that then. You go, but there you go maybe next season FA, FA Cup oh, I'd love it I'd love it so much and the third negative is fans turning on each other so obviously everyone has different opinions and views we respect them all but some of the stuff we're seeing on Twitter from one fan to another bang out of order some of that stuff so if you don't agree with someone don't call them a name just just have a conversation politely. about it just yeah. tweet, tweet each other and you know be civil you don't need to be uh, swearing or calling each other names Absolutely, it's like, it's like child stuff, isn't it? Absolutely, it's not an informative football podcast, but also just a nice podcast teaching people the way forward. And hero of the week, there's not one this week. There's 205 of them. So our heroes of the week are the 205 away fans who made the journey to Plymouth on Tuesday. So well done to all of you. That is an amazing, amazing effort. So next week's fixtures in. So two fixtures this week. A busy week coming up. As firstly, the O's travel to Mansfield on Tuesday, the 20th of August. Like we said, you can't read too much into the table, but Mansfield currently 8th in the league after a 2-0 away win at Carlo on Saturday. So I think they've drawn to 1-1. they got Nicky Maynard from Berry, Good forward at this level. Uh, I think I mentioned it at the beginning, but the news with this game is the first league game that domestic fans in the UK will be able to stream live uh, yeah. on Orient TV via desktop or a laptop. So you can buy a match pass for £10. So... Yeah you can watch it live in the UK for a tenner so I'm sure the club will do well with that one good way forward good yeah. to see Orient doing My things God, like that sure. yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, secondly then on Saturday 24th of August the O's welcome Crawley Town and XO Ollie Palmer to Brisbane Road I think mm. Ollie was on the bench yesterday I don't know if he's picked okay. up an injury but he did get on he did play most of the second half Crawley Town doing alright this season they got four points yeah. same as us they're 12th in League 2 they drew Two away to Scunthorpe yesterday, which was a pretty good result. Decent though. result, yeah. Good result. Expect them to one. be up there, Scunthorpe. If it might take a bit of time, the new manager. I think Crawley will be a bit like what Stevenage were. They'll be resolute. They'll be hard. They'll be yeah. happy to defend and catch us. So again, if you see us in or around the ground, come and say hello, and why not give us an oi oi? And don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter or email ajfplastering.outlook.com for all your plastering and rendering needs. So that's it. It's a late one. It's 20 past 11. Is it? It is very it's late it's here. What is that? Thanks for joining us for episode <laughs> 189. If anyone can sort out any sat-nav repairs or any sat-nav work, please contact Howard Gould immediately. So it was a busy week on the pitch as the O's were in action twice, losing away 
excuse me, 2 0 in the Cowboy Cup on Tuesday, and then welcoming Stevenage for a goalless draw on Saturday after another match with lots of possession but no goals to show for it. And this week is a difficult week coming up for us and the boys as we travel to Mansfield on Tuesday and entertain Crawley on Saturday. Two teams will be well drilled, hard to beat, but as always, the management and team will get our full support. So come on and get behind them. So we'll be back with episode 190, just 10 away from the big 200. I don't know what we're going to do for 200, um, but I'm sure we'll pull something out of the bag. So next week, the bearded legend returns with a guest co-host and I'm off on my holidays. So I will be absent next week, but the bearded legend's back. And as always, he'll have all the information and views that you could ever need. Howard, thank you very much for coming. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Been always a pleasure, a pleasure yeah, to host. George, any closing sentences? This is like your last Orient <laughs> duty almost, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much is. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, I need some tissues, I think. No, I just want to say thank you, really. Thank you to you guys, because, you know, from the start, you've always always helped. Yeah. And, you know, got got my name out there with, with articles and tweets and uh, always give me a shout out on the podcast. I really, really appreciate that. And just, you know, thank you to everyone else, really. You know, the club have always been top class with me and, and then all the fans have always, you know, I feel like they've always interacted with me really well. Not, of them, not, all, not always agreeing with me, but that's absolutely fine, yes. It's all about opinions, but um, but yeah, I've absolutely loved the last four and a half years. Met so many great people, you know, you, you two included. Um, and yeah, I, I really will miss Orient, but I'll definitely be back, 100%. Wicked, look forward to having you here. Thanks for, again, everything that you've done for the podcast and for the club. So if you listen on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review. And if you listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, add us to your favourites, and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they're uploaded. And like we say, you know, don't be afraid to pass the pod. If you've got an older relative or a loved one or a cousin or a friend or anyone who's getting into Orient, new season ticket holders, new people of interest, give them the podcast, get them to play it. And also, don't forget, we have mugs for sale. Just a few mm. left. There are only a fiver. There's not many left, but once they're gone, they're gone. So that's it from us. We look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. <laughs>